It's this famous statement that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in his letter from the Birmingham jail. In a real sense, all life is interrelated. All people are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. Just for me begs this question about how our practice, our mindfulness practice, both on the cushion and in the world, impacts our ability to understand what it means to be interrelated. And this inquiry often has taken me to this place of it's like backing it way up. You know, like, okay, this is the way things are, both here in my own nervous system, but also in relationships and community and in the world. And how did how did this come to be? And there might not be any way of fully understanding how things came to be. We can have some sense. We can pay attention to um, what we can see, but we'll really tie ourselves up in knots if we try to understand every little twist and turn that cause things to be the way that they are. But it becomes easier to see like what this heart-mind is setting in motion with every moment that begins with intention. So this question of how to impact, how to understand our interrelation, or or what it means to be connected, to belong to each other, kind of brings me back to understanding how actions are always preceded by intentions. And it's often that we miss the intentions because our our mind isn't, it's not that in our daily lives we're not that attuned, right? It's not that um, that has to be a problem necessarily, but especially when we have the opportunity for more intensive practice, like on retreat, we can begin to see what we miss often in our walking about in the world. For example, I was just, during that sitting period, noticing the mind-body connection, right? It's like a thought came to the mind, and then the body had a response really quickly. And the thought was something like, got to give a dharma talk <laughs> and then the body just like exploded with unpleasantness it was just a burst of it and it's such a habit 
that this thought and the body does this thing. It's not even like there's a Shelley that's making that happen or preventing it from happening. In fact, trying to prevent it from happening is not going to help. But so this thought and then the body just like felt it right here, this unpleasantness. And then it felt so strong, the unpleasantness in the body, that eventually the mind kind of checked out and got lost in thought and was like, oh, that's interesting. Like there is this intention. I've watched this pattern over and over and over again in my life over years. So it felt familiar. But this pattern of, oh, this feels too difficult to be with. But now the mind kind of recognizes that as, that checking out as a confused way of, finding some safety. The mind thinks this heart, this nervous system, this constitution, whatever we want to call it, this constitution, I like that word, thinks that there's no way to possibly be with this mess until it learns that it can. And so that intention is there to take care of myself. And the habit is also strong around how to do that. So this training, you know, has kind of shined the light on that pattern, but also on this capacity to keep learning. So it's taken some time, but it's pretty consistent now that the mind will go like, oh, sweetie, that's just a confused strategy of taking care of yourself. It's just a habit now, right? It's not uh, like a, a big problem, actually. It's not like I'm undermining my practice or I can't do this practice right anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, there's like, this is a pretty ingrained habit. It's been here for a long time. And it's, it may be here for a long time. I don't know. But the most, the only thing I can actually do the best thing I can actually do is to keep watching it and watch how intentions move the next action. So that intention to take care of myself just invited the mind to keep staying interested right? and keep making the next right move like, oh, it's okay to be here in this mess of anxiety or whatever this is. And keep watching like, oh, the body, this heart is actually safer than it thought. And it can set something, and that kind of kindness can set something really beautiful in motion. There's this other story that, kind of a common reference to the scriptures, the story of Bahia of the Bark. Do you know the story of Bahia? No. Some of you know the story of this aesthetic guy who was living at the time of the Buddha, and he was practicing these aesthetic ways of really strict renunciation. And he was kind of known for being a pretty wise dude, so others would come to him for advice, and he would give a response or give an offering. Until this one day, he was like, well, maybe I'm really enlightened. And then he got some 
intuition that that wasn't actually true and set off to find the Buddha to get the teachings. And in the stories, in the scriptures, it's, the story is told that he walked a really long way. So like up 12,000 feet or something like that. Mountainous terrain in Asia to get to the Buddha. So we don't know if these details are true. Probably not totally accurate. But maybe the intention there is to convey that this dude was willing to walk a long way over many days because it was important enough, right? And so there's more to the story, the way that ends when he gets there, when he gets to the Buddha. When he gets to the Buddha, the Buddha wasn't at the monastery. He was out on alms round getting food for the day in the streets, and he went to the Buddha, found the Buddha, and asked for the teachings in brief. And the Buddha said, it's not the right time, but he... And so this happened, there's the way stories are told often. Bahia asked three times, and on the third time the Buddha said, okay, Bahia. And he gave some very, I don't have the reference in front of me, but he gave a very brief description of the practice, something like the scene is just the scene, the herd is just the herd, the cognized is just the cognized. So he went through the five senses and the activity, the six sense doors, and pointed to, like, how that's, that's it. That we often get confused by the story that we lay on top, layer on top of those experiences that come through the six sense doors. And we think there's a self, but there's actually not a self there. It's just this coming in. And as the story goes... Bahia was immediate, was awakened in the moment of hearing the teachings in brief. Just that, right? Just that very brief, probably took the Buddha less than five minutes to convey the teachings. And so I just got to thinking about, like, the power of intention, like Bahia walking all that distance again and again, like, this is important, this is important, this is important, without really knowing where he was, you know, what was going to happen. Like, this is important in my life. This is important in my, this is important for me and for others. It's that connection, that connection, that connection that potentially ripened the mind and prepared it for receiving the teachings in brief. So there's just, there's this information that we receive, the teachings, information from from people, from teachings of the Dhamma, but also from the world, right? We get information from about how things are. And then but that intention to keep going and integrate it and use it to inform our own lives and each other is so powerful. That that leads us to set something really beautiful in motion. That leads us to the next right action. And really what we're doing with our awareness practice is intercepting that tight relationship between intention and response. It's often intention and reaction, right? Like I don't notice that intention for self-preservation until after 
I've said something harsh to my partner or my friend or colleague or whatever the case. Right? It's often that case for us that we're, that that intention to take care of ourselves or that confused intention, just like the one I described with anxiety, that intention to take care of myself is confused and there's an immediate response, immediate reaction. There's just such a tight relationship there that we don't see how to respond differently. And just that knowing that that's the way it is for all of us, just hearing that, like, oh, that's the way it is for all of us. Every heart-mind has this capacity to react in strong ways without knowing what has informed that reaction. So my bad habits are no different than your bad habits in that way, right? It's the same mechanism. Lack of awareness, that loop is too tight, and then reacting, and it sets something in motion that's not useful to ourselves, to each other, to the world. So I don't know about you, but just kind of feeling into that helps me feel more connected to each of you. Like I'm not that different, right? You're not that different. Our minds, our hearts do the same things. And so there's a kind of softness or tenderness that this teaching or this reflection on intention and what we're setting in motion and how our practice helps us set something in motion that could be useful to ourselves and each other. There's some tenderness that comes with this understanding that really feels a lot like compassion. Right? Just that, oh yeah, I... It's hard to find the space to demonize someone else when there's just an understanding that, oh, this is the way humans are. Last fall, I had some health challenges, and I got kind of another dose of this, this understanding of connection or how we all belong to each other and in the challenges that I was having or the health difficulties the mind just started to see how how the body is really a fragile thing that it's robust in many ways and resilient in many ways but also ages and gets sick and it's kind of unpredictable even if I can do what I can do to take care of the body, it's kind of uncertain how the body will use my efforts, right? 
You've probably seen this. Maybe you have a good exercise routine going and then you get sick or you've got some good nutritional habits going and then you get sick or you have no good habits going and then you stay well. (laughs) This is just how it is. We don't know really. We can set something, set some good intentions, establish some good habits by way of like connecting with those intentions to take care of the body. We don't really know how things are going to turn out. And so when there was some difficulty, this mind was really interested in knowing how, oh, everybody's in the same process. Look at that. We're all taking care of ourselves in the ways that we are. It's mixed. None of us are perfect. We don't stick with the same habits all the time. I may get too tired and forget to brush my teeth or not want to brush my teeth one night. You know, I may decide to go for the delicious pastry instead of the granola <laughs> for breakfast or whatever, right? These are choices that we make all the time. And this is how it is for everybody. We all have a body. So this mind is just like every... I remember walking into this new um, doctor's office for a, an appointment. I hadn't been, been there before. And the waiting room was full of children and older people and people using wheelchairs and walkers and people happy and people that were hardly talking, heads hung down. And there's just so much compassion, like, ah, it's heart. It's like we're all just doing the best that we can, trying to take care in some confused ways, some really beautiful ways. And so it really, it really kind of, um, this reflection on intention and the result of intention, the actions that come from intentions, this connection to compassion. Really helps me feel like have some kind of spiritual urgency. Like, what can I do in this life that will support something beautiful, that will be supportive of something beautiful? And maybe that's, you know, maybe there's a different answer every day. Maybe it's going on retreat or connecting with friends, building community, listening, maybe it's sharing, being vulnerable and sharing, offering something up. Maybe it's taking care of somebody. Maybe it's going to therapy. Maybe it's doing some service. Maybe it's really, maybe it's like recycling and like setting the intention to take care of the earth, composting. I don't know. It's like lots of things. We just kind of get interested in this, like, oh, what are all the ways that we set something really useful in motion? And how can my life reflect that I care about that? How can my life reflect that I care about that? Not just for my own sake, but because I feel this connection, the sense of belonging to setting something in motion for generations. Because something's been set in motion for me, right? For all of us. We can feel the impact of history, can't you? 
in lots of moments, just like look around, be in the world, feel the impact of history that's here, and know that we're all doing that too, for ourselves, for each other, for future generations. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.